Welcome back to The Human Exception. This week, we take the opportunity to celebrate our two-year anniversary and look back at all the topics that we covered in the last year and provide any updates that we may have learned since we covered those topics. As always, expect foul language. But other than that, let's get ready for another Human Exception. I didn't go to work today. I stayed home. Damn. Fair. I felt the snow today. So Ugh. I was like, uh, I can't move. I'm going back to sleep. And I slept until almost one o'clock. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. island got hit real hard with the snow. Ooh. Some of my friends had like 10 inches at their house. Oh, no. And um, some of the nurses were saying they saw buses sliding across the the roads like oh sideways and that a semi-truck had jackknifed oh um apparently the malahat is now a parking lot Jeez. so i'm glad we weren't planning on going anywhere this weekend <laughs> but next weekend Jeez. what are we doing what's going on i say that like i don't know but welcome back to the human exception heck yeah where we have no idea what we're talking <laughs> so um, it's not so really like, a joke though some <laughs> no it's not <laughs> sometimes we're like what the fuck's happening y'all <laughs> why did we choose to do this thing why mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so, for those who don't know October 31st is our anniversary um, so we are now on our second year well we, I'm sorry we've had we're now yeah wait math is hard yep no, you're right. Yeah, so we just had two years. This is now November 30th because we fail at scheduling. But hey, we had to we had to read My Immortal for the holiday. <laughs> so. Also, life is hard. And, and that. You know, stuff happens. Yeah. I made it work. Uh, so yeah, uh, we we last year for our anniversary, we kind of just covered our topics and talked about any up, you know updates that have happened with them. Um, so that's kind of what we'll do this time. But before we started, I was gonna give you guys an update update on how many downloads we've gotten. Oh goodness, four. Yes, four. <laughs> four. That's a Bob's Burger reference. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> but also, but also four. Four. So, in total, we're at seven thousand seventy-eight downloads. Damn! What the, what the heck, y'all? What's that's going? a lot to download. Yeah. Holy moly! I know it. It's like clogging up my computer, but it's how we get to <laughs> stuff. Oh, sacrifices like were made. <laughs> It's interesting. I usually don't download my podcasts unless I'm like planning to go on a trip where I know I won't have service, like sometimes for ferry rides and mm. stuff. Well, downloads um, include plays. So it's, it's, so if you play it on Spotify, that counts as a download. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's just, that's just like, you know, views, <laughs> quotation, listeners, streams. 
streams. Mm. Some people, some people probably still download. I don't know anyone who does, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We're actually now. I just I was looking through our list, and we're actually only three weeks behind from when we did our anniversary last episode last year. Oh, okay. So we're still okay. Hey, it's you within know. the five second one month rule. Yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We got this. <laughs> All right. I did a quick look back on some of the stuff from season one to see if I had any updates. There really wasn't anything. I don't know if Nathan and Hal, you did that. No. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I was, nope. I, I mean, I did literally have one of my topics get blown up. So. True, true. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got yeah. one. I've got one update for one, for one of my things, and it's very important because it's yeah. about Keanu Reeves. Oh, we love him. So yeah, obviously Keanu Reeves is still doing the Keanu thing, uh, but it was recently announced that we are gonna finally get a sequel to the 2005 movie Constantine, which right. <laughs> I love that fucking movie. Which is the <laughs> only important thing. We can probably wrap it up now. Five minutes. <laughs> we've actually, we've actually got a story about Keanu being super cute as well. So, Aww. Aww. Okay. Yeah, so apparently the story is going around on Reddit. And the story says, my grandmother had a crush on Keanu Reeves because he reminded her of my grandfather when he was young. Saw the stuff from Bill and Ted and she had a stroke in her 70s and was pretty much housebound for the ten, last 10 years of her life. So watching movies was her main hobby and became almost like friends to her because she rarely got out to see her own. Not too long after The Matrix came out, my uncle was in L.A. for business and was eating at a really swanky restaurant when Keanu came in with a woman. When he finished his meal, my uncle came up to the table and said, I don't usually do this, but I just want you to know that my 80-year-old mother loves you and has seen all your movies and that you remind her of my dad. Um, the uncle then said that Keanu asked if he had a cell phone and when he confirmed, he said, okay, give her a call. I want to talk to her. Aww. And then he spoke with my grandmother for several minutes, and it absolutely made her year. She was so isolated, and his genuine kindness to her and interest in her showed that it, he was a truly amazing man. Oh. <laughs> I can't handle it. Yeah, I can't <laughs> either. I'm like, almost like, I love it. Aww. I'm all hey. clump. That's so cute. Aww. See, we always can get good. something good out of out of Keanu. At least I hope we always can. <laughs> At least there's that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So season two, we kicked off that with our interview with Mike Brown from Dark Routine. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Mike right? Brown. Mike Brown. I remember that. <laughs> I so I'm still don't believe that that happened in real life. <laughs> And it's still surreal to me. <laughs> yeah. Just because, yeah. It's surreal to me because I'm like, I listen to his podcast still. It was like in the, my top five podcasts for my Spotify rap this year. <laughs> um, and I don't really use Spotify anymore, but I was like, oh, yeah, I got to talk with him on a Skype call. It's a weird time. Yeah, so obviously Dark Poutine is still going on, and um, last year he wrote his book, or earlier this year, uh, Murder, Madness, and Mayhem, 25 Tales of True Crime and Dark History. So podcast is still happening, but he also recently got the go-ahead to make a second book, so we'll have another book coming from him. Sick. Good time. Mm -hmm. good? Love a good news segment. 
<laughs> yeah. And as well, you know, they're good before it gets bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In the next episode, um, I covered the hat box baby, which was the strange story of Sharon Elliott, who was allegedly found in a hat box in the Arizona desert on Christmas Eve of 1931. Don't really have any updates because, you know, she died in 2018, and it's unlikely that we'll ever get the 100% truth of exactly what happened for her to get there, but that was a thing we did. <laughs> um, and Hallie, you did the great tree kangaroo. Yes, I did. Of which we are adoptive parents. What? Um, <laughs> Yay. We still have Lily, our lovely tree kangaroo. Uh, she's yes. on our contact page. No, no, she's on our about page. <laughs> yes, our mascot, our sweet little baby amazing mascot. I Honestly, what's so funny to me is that after I did this topic, I was like, oh. I'm now realizing how many people don't know about tree kangaroos. So I work into the conversation <laughs> just because I can. Um, but I did find a cool news article about how um, the researchers in the main habitat um, for tree kangaroos, which is Papua New Guinea, the rainforest there, um, that they were up until very recently still using pen and paper to document their different field sightings. And now they have an app. So I thought that was kind of cool to see how technology is helping um, these folks who are out in the field and doing this work. Like we wouldn't, we wouldn't know about half of this stuff without these people who are, you know, sweating their asses off in the cloud rainforest yeah. and, and tracking yeah. these elusive creatures. Um, so they, this app was built um, with, you know, input from. Uh, these folks who are out in the field, they, it was also built with the help of, I guess, a U.S. software developer, which is kind of cool. Um, and now they can actually share all of their updates and stuff. So I wanted to show you, uh, it is not a tree kangaroo, but it is a picture of a very bright, slightly goofy looking bird. That was oh. one of the first pictures that was taken on um, this app, just so you can kind of see. I'm excited. Check out this bird oh my god is it a kookaburra <laughs> it is a what oh. is that bird i had it and then it oh no wait hold on let me pull up the thing i had the it's caption really and now it's gone it is it is a buff breasted paradise kingfisher kingfisher oh. King look at that goofy looking muppet bird it's got a i very love red the names beak. i love the names of animals when they're like Buff-breasted. Like, what is yeah. that? Why is that? I don't know. I don't really care at this point. It's lovely. What is a buff-breasted bird? <laughs> oh, my God. Daddy long like a beige. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. So I just thought that was kind of endearing. I was like, oh, look Aww. at that. <laughs> it's very cute. Uh, and then, speaking of more tree kangaroo stuff, there's a baby look at the baby Aww. okay so something that didn't really um it did kind of come up when we we're talking about tree kangaroos was just how long um the joeys stay with their mothers so this is a baby matches tree kangaroo uh and they're the most common ones the ones you typically see in like zoos um this is one that's at the lincoln children's zoo in lincoln nebraska here in the states 
Um, we did talk a little bit about how when they're born, they're itty bitty, teeny tiny. They are the size of a lima bean when they're born. <laughs> uh, and earlier this year, this one that was born at the zoo uh, had just recently stuck his little face out because they stay in their mother's pouch up until 40 weeks. Wow. Oh. And this little Joey was born in May of this year. So, yeah. Um, it's just now starting to stick little face out, but they actually don't come out of the pouch. And the zoo hasn't even been able to name the Joey because they don't know the gender. Just go with a gender neutral name, guys. Just, yeah. just name it and roll with it, y'all. Yeah, doesn't matter. Joey. <laughs> Stacy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So oh, I thought Stacey's that was mom. I thought that was sweet Stacey's and cute. Um, Stacy's mom. Sorry, <laughs> so that you know it's perfect. Just so that you have a little nice stuff before we talk about exploding monuments. Oh, I did forget to mention that there is that that um, oh gosh, was it Hulu that had the documentary about teal swan? Mm-hmm. I think earlier so, yeah, this I year. So it. I guess that, that was I guess that would be the only update. You know that. She's still trash. <laughs> still trash. There's still also some a couple trash. podcasts about her. Oh, are there are there a couple new ones? Oh my goodness. I don't know how I don't remember when they were. I'd have to go back and see if I could find them cuz I cuz usually with like the short not like the little podcast where it's not an ongoing deal, I listen oh, to them and then I delete them. Um I got you. I should probably stop doing that. <laughs> So yeah, there's there's tree kangaroo and an itty bit about my favorite grifter I love to hate. Excellent. All right, and then Nathan, you did Asian holiday traditions. I did, and I think in that episode I mostly only got to um, Diwali. Found out a little bit this year, uh, a little more essentially about about Diwali. Um, Turns out most folks only celebrate the one day. Um, but depending on the province of where you're from, it could be like, uh, it'd be one, two or five days. Like I had kind of mentioned in, uh, from that episode. Um, but you know, most of my friends here that have moved over from India that are living here, uh, a lot of other people that I met mostly just celebrate the one day sometimes two days seems to be the more popular uh tradition um it's probably harder to like you know get your work to accommodate that for that here in north america so well it, it seems like it's sort of more of a, a general uh thing that it is like one or two days for the majority of the country um whereas there are some places that will do the whole the whole week's worth so okay. yeah cool but again you know just like over there they had all of the firecrackers going over here when it happened so <laughs> <laughs> nice nice yep but other than that that's all i got that's new all right courtney you were talking about a bunch of christmas fish and worms and stuff uh, I don't have any updates on any of those lovely critters, unfortunately, other than, um, oh, we went to the aquarium together a we couple did. weeks ago, and I showed you a Christmas tree worm for the first time. Yeah. Because um, yeah. you guys we, we get to take didn't recognize to the aquarium. <laughs> that yeah. was an adventure. 
It's always an adventure to take Courtney to the aquarium because it's like, where did she go? Is she bothering people? Um, how to keep her from punting the children from around her? Might as well punch at the children. Oh, like, don't get me wrong, folks. I was a preschool teacher. I know that kids are kids, but like these children were exceptionally a lot. And um it was kind of our fault for going on a holiday. So. We went on a holiday. There's that. But also, like, just general, like, just general politeness in public spaces with young children is always good. <laughs> I was touched by so many strangers in not a good way. Oh, goodness. <laughs> no. Not like I was groped or anything, but, like, just don't, don't touch me in general if you don't know me. Or even if you do know me. Like, let's just not touch. <laughs> All right. And the next you did a uh, thing on invasive species. I don't know if you did found anything else about that. Um, let me double check my recap notes. I feel like I have two notes. Invasive species. So Antigua this year held a lionfish fishing derby. Oh. Um oh, wow. there were a couple different people who like organized this whole event and they had like an art show and they had people dressed up like mermaids and then they were doing fishing and they handed out um, over $34,000 worth of prizes in the local currency, which I honestly do not know what the conversion would be. Cause I am, I didn't, I didn't look, I was more worried about fishes. Um, they had a lionfish cooking competition, uh, a conservation poster contest, and then a jewelry workshop using bits of lionfish. From what I could understand. Um, and they caught over 800 fish during that one weekend. I love that. That's such a good idea. They were actually astonished that they got that many. And everything that I found. And like granted there weren't a whole lot of. Like the blurbs I found were honestly just blurbs. Um, but they were like yeah we found, we got 800 fish in this one weekend. And like didn't have any numbers about like how many people were there. Or anything like that. But like it was a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And I think we should hold more things like that, not just in Antigua, but like all over um, that portion of the Atlantic, because that's where these fish are doing the most harm. Mm -hmm. um, also in good news, the local Columbia Shushwap Invasive Species Society found zero invasive mussels in the 12 lakes that they monitored. Dope. That made me feel good, because that means that our policies of like washing your boat between lakes and if you're traveling with your boat like making sure you wash it in between is working because those muscles will just like devastate any freshwater body that they're in and then nathan had shared this really dope 60 pound 67 pound goldfish that got caught which is a huge fucking goldfish I I still can't. <laughs> it's yeah. huge. And its name is Carrot. Carrot. No! Yep. Carrot the goldfish. That um, thing was so fucking huge. It's massive. Um, it it's absolutely real. massive. It doesn't look real. It looks like it... Well, and the thing is, like, so it's definitely someone's pet that they quote-unquote released into the local pond. Oh, it's it's a sport fishing lake. Where they got a, yeah, yeah. So it yeah. was planted there on purpose. Yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. 
Oh, I didn't re I was didn't catch that from there. I just thought that they just left it in there because they caught it and then just have to release it because that's like the rules of the lake. No, they put it in there twenty years ago. That's why they know the age. <laughs> or oh, oh okay. Okay. Yeah. So I misread. But also like this is a really good um like example of why you wouldn't want to just let that fish be in there. Yeah. Because that's a massive fish for I feel like any freshwater fish. But especially yeah. something that you would not expect. To, also, that it's a 20-year-old fucking goldfish. Um, apparently People. some koi can live up to 100 years, I found out when I was looking at this. Yeah. Jesus. So, like, there's, there's stories about that, right? And they're related. And of, of, like, koi fish that are passed down through generations of family who care for it and stuff like that. Which is very cool. Um, but also a different like a different side of the coin because like if it's an invasive animal like this would be like think about all of the things that has to eat to stay that big mm -hmm. and then like also thinking about like your goldfish at home when you're going to purchase a goldfish from the grocery store or the grocery store you used to be able to buy fish at walmart um <laughs> i'm guilty of that anyway um when you go and get one at a pet store like that that fish could last longer than your dog yeah, people tend to think of, like, aquariums of fish kind of like throwaway pets, but some of them live a long fucking time. I honestly, yeah. so I'm also guilty of this. When we got our, our catfish, I bought them for our first beta that we had, and I was just like, oh, he'll be a good, like, cleanup fish without doing research, because the guy was like, don't get this fish, get this fish. And I just kind of took him at his word, and then I realized that, um, one, they need to live in little little schools of four or more. And they, they can live up to 18 years. Oh, and also, damn. mine are breeding. Yes. Oh, There's still goodness. shit and eggs everywhere. It's all over my Instagram. It's my new favorite thing. Um, <laughs> thankfully, it seems like uh, my between my snail and my beta, most of the eggs have been eaten. Um, or at least I don't see any little baby fish running around. So um, Jake and I have just decided to let it be the law of the jungle. But um, it's something to keep in mind is like anytime you get fish and you get more than one, you run that risk of breeding them and then having to deal with that. So, yeah, and always do your own research. Don't it. just trust the fish guy. Don't trust the fish guy. I normally don't trust the fish guy. I trust the fish guy. And look what I look where I'm at. <laughs> I'm fucked. It happens to the best. Of it me. happens. That's all I got. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Next, um, I had the opportunity to tell Marley's story, which was someone that knew the infamous Jen from the Final Fantasy VII house early on. I don't really have any updates on Marley's story particularly, but I wanted to say that this is something that we're still looking into. Um, I was contacted by someone this year who knows someone that might be a current victim of Jen's. So we're working together to try and track, out, track down her current whereabouts. Um, I've also made contact with several people that Jen had contact with in 2013 to 2015 during the Hannibal fandom, which we haven't really covered yet in the show, but that's, it's, it's going to be a thing. <laughs> oh, it's wild. There's also a story that's attached to the Final Fantasy VII house known as the Sarah Saga. We haven't brought it up on the show yet. Um, it's kind of, it's been kind of debated a bunch about like, how much of it's actually related, and it's claims to be um, about, oh, it's, it's, it's People think it's about Eris, who was someone who was friends with Jen at some point. Um, but I basically have been digging into this and pretty much can confirm that 
none of the events that happened actually happened and that there might have been someone from the Suikoden fam- fandom that this was a malicious attack. So that is something we get to look forward to. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. It's always good times. <laughs> uh, Courtney, you're next with uh, rheumatic disease. Um, no updates other than it still sucks. <laughs> uh i had to take off work today (laughs) it still sucks um my buddy mike did uh i remember if he'd gotten it done when we did our episode but he did a short film about me that ended up and my disease that ended up winning um an award at the film festival he entered it in so that's pretty cool amazing yeah, but he's super you talk talented. about them filming it. Is is it is it somewhere that people can watch now or uh I will check with Mike and see if he has a link for it somewhere and then I will share that Dope. when I get it. Awesome. Also good for Mike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a dope guy. Uh Nathan, next you talked about your uh JW experience. So JW's still a cult, right? <laughs> Still a super cult. Um, and holy fucking shit, there is a lot of stuff going on still. Um, I can't, I'm not, I, I can't do like a short update. It's going to have to be like more episodes. I got stuff part planned two, for that. But yeah. Yeah, part two, part three. Yeah. Do you want to talk about your sister trying to recruit you back? Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Uh, it's completely up to you. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, so I, at one point, reached out to uh, my sister just to kind of have a... see if she was willing to have a conversation. And I think one of the things that I kind of wanted to do was sort of set the record straight because one of the big things that the JWs do is when you are disfellowshipped, you are immediately barred from having a discussion with anyone else in the congregation. Um, They try to have that meeting that they have with you, whether they decide they're going to disfellowship you or not, really, really close to the next meeting that they're going to have with the whole congregation. So it's okay, well, we made the decision in this meeting after talking to you that you're going to have to be disfellowshipped. So that means we're the last people you'll ever talk to in the congregation. Peace out, bye. Um, You can you can be there while it happens or you can not be there while it happens up to you. But they will, they try to do everything in their power to ensure that you are not able to talk to anybody else. And it's like Scientology does the same thing. Yeah. Um, and then they at it, like immediately at the next, um, congregation meeting they will announce it to everyone in the in in the kingdom hall in the congregation that you've been disfellowshipped so 
there's no real lines of communication um that are really allowed to happen between one person to another and obviously you have your own free will and you can you can text message your friends or your family or whatever and try to plead your case with them um but at the end of the day if they are holding true to their faith they're going to ignore everything you have to say so it's been 16 years at this point i think yeah 16 years at this point um and i was like fuck it i'm just gonna explain the reasoning behind uh why i left so i i told her that the reason why i had left was because um of my own uh because of me being sexually assaulted as a as a kid in the congregation and her response was oh i thought it was because of x person but you know you really can't hold it against people we're we're an imperfect organization and here's a link to get a get a bible study to get back into the organization fucking god what the fuck yeah oh my god um, that's still that reaction is just classic to me yeah, oh, it's a horrible thing. You should come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't hold it. You can't really hold it against anything, anyone. We're an imperfect. You know, it's a, it's an organization of imperfect people, but this is still God's organization, and He chose us. And you should really come back. And I'm like, well, no. Um, and she, um obviously told her her husband about the situation and he he reached out to me um and he was very good about it he has always been a very sincere person he's always been a very caring person so when he says you know some of us take these things seriously and we have to you know have this conversation if you know we want to um He's the person that I would trust in this situation. Um, in general, I would not trust anyone to have the anyone else, um, even my own dad, to be like, "Oh well, we take this really seriously, and you know, maybe we should have a conversation about what happened." Um, anyway, my brother-in-law said, "If you want, I can arrange for you to talk to someone in a local congregation, or you can, you know, come out and have a chat." with me and, and one of the other elders in the congregation. And I said, you know, I really appreciate that. Um, but I know that at this point, um, I'm not going to get the justice for what happened to me and talking about it with people from an organization that I felt wronged me. Um, and continues to wrong many and other continues to wrong many other people uh you know it isn't going to do anyone any good and it still won't get you know the justice that a lot of us deserve so thank you but no thank you <laughs> um obviously he didn't message me back again after that but uh, <laughs> 
that's uh that's how that went um, mm-hmm. oh my gosh yeah yeah just could you imagine you know your sibling coming up to you and being like hi this horrible thing happened i mean you're just kind of like oh that's terrible let's talk about something else come back and hang out with us yeah. where this terrible yeah. thing happened to you that is incredible programming. How is, is. how is not your your first reaction to be like, who was it? Let's go, let's go bury that body. Yeah, because this is how they're the dead. How can I shit on their grave with you? Let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah, there's a whole thing about how the church handles sexual assault, and then Nathan's going to do a thing about it one day. Because, oh my god. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. All yeah. Right. It was... There was there was actually a thing I read earlier today that I will have to bring up in the... in that episode, but it is... It is so fucked up. Excellent. Something to look forward to. Yay! Alright, well, speaking of trauma... Um, the next thing that we did was I covered the Montauk project. <laughs> which was a thing. So this is a conspiracy has allegedly happened in the 80s. There was a secret government government research facility under Camp Hero on Long Island. And uh, and at this point, all the major players are pretty much dead. Pretty much the only people left is Peter Moon, who's the ex-Scientologist and the publisher of all the Montauk stuff. And he continues to tie whatever his current interests are in back to the story and st- Stuart Swerdlow, who with his wife continued to run their own Teal Swan-esque cult. Um, so not a ton to report, um, but last that we talked about this, though, there was an alleged Montauk, well, there was a guy who claimed to be a Montauk boy, known as Andy Perro, who had been arrested for a murder charge in 2020. Um, when we talked about this last, his case was pending, it is still pending at this time, so he has not been convicted yet. But they are still holding him. Just for fun. Um, but while checking in on Swordlow, though, I did come across a story that I hadn't seen before, uh, which is, uh, all right, it's going to be a thing. So July 16th, 2016 in Poland, a 39 year old Max Spears was found dead under suspicious circumstances. So in the episode that we did, um, I presented several testimonies from people that had once been part of one of Swordlow's programs and had suffered at his hands, either be unwanted sexual advances or death threats after the survivors left, all that sort of shit. Well, according to Max's mother, he had always been a bright kid in his early childhood, grew up in England. But in the mid-90s, when his parents split, he and his mother moved to L.A. And this is when Max, Max's mother first noticed a change in him. Quote, Max's suspicions about the world grew in America, watching the government system. She says that he became greatly influenced by David Ick, which is the English conspiracy theorist who believes that his purpose on Earth is to receive messages from the spirit world, in case you don't know who that is. Yeah. That's a totally normal thing. Totally normal. Um, He also wouldn't go on to a handful of TV appearances in 1991, including the BBC, where he claimed the world would be ended soon by earthquakes and waves, which clearly happened. Anyways, through this interest, Max made many friends online, and his perception perception began to twist further. And the, with all the usual conspiracy gambit, you know, reptilians, super soldiers, new world order, etc. But in 2008, Max had an experience he claimed woke him up, coming to the conclusion that he was a Montauk boy. According to his mom, he felt he traveled to some other dimension and had been tortured, 
He questioned everything that went on around him all the time. So this is progressively getting worse. Yeah, that's not... Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So in 2011, um, they returned to England, and Max continued to build a name with him for himself in the online conspiracy circles, until eventually meeting Stuart Swerdlow in March 2016. So Swerdlow invited Max to a Polish conference the following month where he would end up meeting some more believers and Swerdlow would connect him with a lot of his local contacts and friends. In July, Max would return to Poland to meet up with some of those contacts. When he was supposed to return, Monica Duval, a woman he'd met, had persuaded him not to instead offering him a place to stay. Like, they just met. He'd only been there for like a week and a half. She's like, yeah, just come live with me. Um, so while in Poland, Max, Max would call his mother and he said, quote, Mom, your boy's in trouble. These people are, there are people here who are up to no good. And basically said if something were to happen to him, that she should investigate. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Two days later, Max's mother would receive a text from one of Max's contacts, which simply stated, Max is dead. What the fuck? That's uh... how you want to find out about your son's death. <laughs> Gosh. She would later receive a call from Monica not long after. Quote, Monica rang me and said he'd vomited two liters of black fluid that morning, that it was oh. all over the carpet. And she, why didn't he take, she take him to the hospital? Which just sounds like the whole Brittany Murphy thing all over again. But Oh, gosh. Yeah. So from there, things get kind of strange. It seems that the Polish officials were a little sketch. Their conduct somehow leading to Max's body remaining in Monica's house overnight. There's a dead body here under suspicious circumstances, and you're just going to leave it there overnight in a civilian's home. Not temperature-controlled or anything. Because, mm. you know, all us true kind people know that the sooner you examine a body, the more evidence you're going to get. But, you know, what do we know? Uh, so you the know Polish... that? <laughs> the Polish coroner would then report that Max had died of natural causes, and eventually the officials would return Max's computer to his mother with all his personal files removed. So you can see where this is going. So naturally now this sat well with his mom and with his specific warning two days prior telling her that he thought he was going to be murdered. This was all only made worse as online conspiracy circles went rabid. So many theories of what happened spreading like wildfire. I will bullet point some of the ideas that got spread. So Sarah Adams, who is Max's ex that he'd been recently in contact with again and says that the two were discussing getting back together, told sources that Max had gone to Poland to recover from drug problems and get healthy. Then she alleges that he got involved with a dark group. Sarah and Max's mother believed that he had been sacrificed by shady, shadowy satanic cult and may have been slowly poisoned. So got that satanic cult in there, too. I love it when they smash words like that together go we'll scare someone with this and they always do it's um it was allegedly that stuff to do we don't have time to just go poison (laughs) random guys (laughs) in the wheel figure it out babies to sacrifice you know D &D books to write like (laughs) portals to open i mean come on people i gotta go shit on brett kavanaugh's doorstep at least once a week there we go that's exactly (laughs) yep Um, so it was allegedly that shortly before his death, he had been probing into well-known figures in politics, business, and entertainment. In a video released two days after Max's death, Stuart Swordlow says, he was not attacked, he was not murdered, he was a very programmed person. Mm-hmm. So that's your explanation. 
he died because he was a program oh, person. Who knows? Hmm. Um, Did they like forget to update the patch on his AI or? Probably. He didn't get the latest 5G. Oh. No, it was the 5G. Oh, that's. Oh. <laughs> someone, someone uploaded a virus over the 5G. Uh, well, it was also 2016. Did we have 5G in 2016? No. No. All right. Oh, it was some. It was beta 5G. <laughs> Anyways, um, and it, dates don't mean anything to conspiracy theorists. Okay, that's true. <laughs> in an interview with Simon Parks on Project Camelot, um, they alleged that Max Spears was murdered, and the rumors of drugs and suicide were complete fabrications made up by evil people trying to cover up the murder. People are going around saying this stuff. <laughs> and this person's been dead for like two days. Yeah. That's, yeah. Wow. On a forum, an unnamed user claiming to be one of Max's friends says that I think faking his own death is possible. I believed his story. It could also be a clone that was killed, not him. Because Montag Boys are clones. 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 Um, clones are really expensive. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, <laughs> damn, you do something better with a clone than just kill it, right? <laughs> um, Swordlow would then later make a whole post on his web his website expansions. Um, there's a whole thing about it, but I'm only gonna read a couple paragraphs. The two paragraphs here. Um, the first is like, I was saddened to learn of the death of Max. He came to Poland to escape unsupportive people who would not let him see his son, ex girlfriends who stalked him, and other family members who made his life miserable. We'd exchanged Skype and text contacts, and he wrote to me about his personal issues, as do thousands of people around the globe. So, which, the whole situation is just sad. The fact that he had, he thought he had to leave his family because he was unsupported, and just fell further into the whole conspiracy thing. And then, unfortunately, people try to embellish their own lives by making outlandish claims about others. Many people are wannabes. There is no cult. I work alone. I have no followers. The story has been totally sensationalized. Max passing was truly tragic. His passing has nothing to do with an inconspiracy. The people are saying these things about me and my work, if they're actually saying these things, are leaving themselves wide open for a lawsuit. My attorneys are well aware of what's going on, and this statement has been approved by them. So, you know, leave it to Swordlow to make it all about himself in the end and threaten legal action. So naturally, Max's mom had the body examined by UK officials that concluded that Max hadn't died from natural causes, but actually combined case of fatal levels of oxycodone, toxic levels of alprazolam, and untreated pneumonia. Max had struggled with addiction since an accident several years prior, and as a result, it had become addicted to painkillers. He had attempted to get clean in July 2015, but had been using again. Even his ex, Sarah, said that he'd gone to Poland to get clean, insinuating that he was using at the time. And Monica, the woman whose house he was staying at, helped him purchase several packs of Xanax and confirms that he had taken a handful of tabs that day. So, no, this is not a conspiracy. This is just a really sad event. In June, yeah. 2007, uh, June 2017, Vanessa acquired a pro bono lawyer, Adam Taylor, who's been helping the mother fight for justice and answers ever since. The mishandling of the case in Poland leaves a lot of questions, like, why a natural cause of death when the UK coroner concluded otherwise? And why was Max's computers cleared of personal files before being returned? And why leave a body overnight in someone's house? Just weird things. Definitely yeah. issues of conduct there. Yeesh. So yeah, 
At the end of the day, this is just another tragic case of someone that wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly bought into the Montauk and Stuart Swordlow's brainwashing conspiracy. Unfortunately, they found themselves going down a very dark path. And it begs the question, in these situations, what came first? The mental instability or the conspiracies? We see this so many times. Like, I don't know if you guys have any theories on that. I... Uh... I, I do think researchers are going to be really looking at, at the link between conspiratorial thinking and, and mental instability for a long time because there, there still isn't, it's not like conspiracy theories are new. Right. And mm -hmm. um, they've only gotten way worse in the last probably what a decade or so, um, or at least our awareness of them, I should say. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they haven't necessarily gotten worse. It seems like every decade we do seem to go through things. But um, yeah, I, I've been reading a lot on that. And it's still just, you know, one study will say, well, those who are, you know, more upset about their uh, stability in life are lean toward conspiracies to help bolster them. And then there's arguments about education when blah, blah, blah. blah and just it's it, nothing is is certain but it does feel like mental mental instability plays a role somewhere yeah it's like it could go either way and maybe it's both you know it's right? like if you are mentally unstable already or you are you know struggling with drugs you're gonna be more susceptible to outlandish beliefs and paranoid thinking or but if also, you're yeah. already in a high control religious group yes mm -hmm. absolutely and yeah if you wind up in a conspiracy theory or a high control group like that's going to shift the way you think. Your brain changes in those scenarios. So, totally. Wild. Anyways, I think the worst part about stories like this, obviously, is that it's how the conspiracy theorist communities latch onto them and integrate them into their narratives as just one more piece of evidence. It's unclear if Max's mother still thinks that a cult or some conspiracy is responsible for her son's death. She hadn't been a conspiracy theorist herself. She'd naturally looked into some of the stuff that her son had been interested in. And but had no interest in it herself. And well, you know, a grieving mother is presented with a series of fuck ups in the handling of her son's death and an army of online followers swearing up and down that he was murdered or might actually still be alive and his death was faked. Like, that's the worst part of all this is like, she, you know, she's like got to deal with it. Clinging to that hope that maybe he's still alive somewhere. Exactly. And I hope that she's come to terms with the situation and is in a better place but yeah it's that's fucked up so yeah there's my update on long talk uh hallie tell us about nabir uh people still believe in it <laughs> <laughs> that's it every year kind of seems like whenever weird me meteorological things are going on uh somebody from uh, you know, NASA has to go, no, there is no planet X. Please stop asking us <laughs> about it. <laughs> we don't want to answer this anymore. No, it's all still just, it, it still lives. Speaking of conspiracy theories. Also, fuck you, Alex Jones. Uh, <laughs> that, you know what? I've never been more happy to see someone be uh, put into judgment for a billion and a half dollars. Right? Never. Yeah. <sighs> So good. The just those poor people. Jeez. It wasn't enough. No, no, no it'll never be no. enough. No. Never, ever, ever, ever. And I know from listening to 
uh, the lawyers speak and everything, you know, it's not about the money, obviously. It never was mm -hmm. about the money. But... The money's not going to bring your child back. Nope. No, but... but it is about suing that man into oblivion so that hopefully into he'll oblivion. never live comfortably again. Yeah, and you won't have and resources it, to keep stopping the message. Future people from thinking that's a good idea. Maybe. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Anyways, no, Nibiru, just people still believe in it. That's it. <laughs> That's all I got. That's it. Uh, Nathan, you then did go for a punch, which was the mysterious lost anime that might not have been lost. Um, yeah, honestly, besides what very little I was able to dredge up in the in the first episode, not, literally nothing more has come up. So, Fair. all right, Courtney Tardigrades. Uh, I have new tardigrade information. I have two Excellent. pieces of tardigrade information. So, um, the first part of it is that they've discovered a new species of tardigrades in Finland. And these little guys live in sand dunes and have these really big claws. This and, is like um, waiting to happen. Huh? This is Dune waiting to happen. <laughs> so honestly, they made a, a Dune reference in the article. They're like, uh, what was it? There may be no sandworm to engulf the tardigrades, but <laughs> um, but uh, they named this new species Macrobiotis nagine after the snake from Harry Potter, but also fuck terps, which I'm obligated to say every time I bring up Harry Potter. Absolutely. Um, so from the article, it says, quote, formerly a cursed woman who is ultimately and irreversibly transformed into a limbless beast. This fictional character provides a fitting name for the new species. Okay, then. <laughs> Which in turn is characterized by reduced legs and claws. But they okay. said that that makes it easy for them to, I'm sorry, it was a reduced claws, not bigger claws, to go through the, the sand dunes. So... Here is that article with some pictures, so you guys can see the new little boy. I thought these claws were actually rather large, they look in my big. opinion, but also I'm not a tardigrade expert, um, and this this image doesn't have a size bar on it. Yeah, no, I don't know. That, they look like claws. That's... Yeah. 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 Um, so the other part of the news is that these guys were found... Um, after they had been retrieved, well, they've been they've been found, but then also they were retrieved, still alive after being digested by a snail. Oh, so this is as far as I know the first time that tardigrades have been found to survive through the digestive tract of another living animal. Hmm. So um, they actually found two different species that had been eaten. Um, and so not only did they eat, but some of them went on and, and reproduced and, and, went, and went and kept going. So it'll be tardigrades and cockroaches at the end of the world. Yeah, apparently there are also some beetles that can also fight their ways out of frog butts. But these guys seem to just kind of have to travel. Because if you think about it, like these are honestly microscopic. And, and it's like when you, when you scale it up, that's a long way to go, right? Yeah. Yeah, um so it's 10 meters that they have to have to well no i'm sorry so what would happen is like they would get eaten because they live in moss right so they'd be eaten along with some moss by the snails nom 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 
And the snail would be traveling around and they would travel up to 10 meters within a couple days. Um, and so that meant that for the tardigrades, they would be able to get to a new patch of food. Um, and then they would also still be getting like in the same environment they'd want to be in because that's also where the snail likes to be because they eat the same things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So Remember that tardigrades are hot. Huh? Is a potentially beneficial thing for the tardigrades. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you think about it, like a tardigrade is less than a millimeter long. So when you're talking about 10 meters, that's a long way for a little tiny creature like that. It's, I did not do the math on that one. You can do it yourself. It's I don't snail do math. stomach transit. It, by, via snail. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So, oh, that's the same article. I won't link it twice. Yeah. Cool. All right. Next, I did Simona Kosak, which is the animal advocate for the Polish wilderness. We don't really have any updates on her. Like, she passed, and there's no been updates on her legacy or anything, but she's still a badass bitch. Hallie, you, speaking of badass bitches, you did the, the 40 elephants. Heck yeah! And I remember saying in that episode, maybe I'm retconning myself here, I don't know, uh, that someone should have made a movie out of him, and guess what? Oh, might be happening. Oh. oh, so there is a uh, a book. Actually, it always starts with a book. Don't we know? Oh, good um, one. Start with a book. There is a book set to publish uh, sometime in. It says what I had was late 2024. Given that I work in the publishing industry, this is not unusual. It's usually about an 18 to 24 month lead uh and the book was just acquired by an independent publisher called head of zeus so they acquired this book uh historical fiction book based on the story of the 40 elephants the book is tentatively titled elephants and diamonds and is by a british author named claire whitfield and the novel follows quote 19 year old eleni mackridge who leaves behind her working class family to reinvent herself as nell the mac while running with the infamous thieving gang Uh, so and this has already been um this is already being talked about being picked up as uh optioned for film so this better be day that's pretty cool yeah this should be like our flag means death but 40 elephants (laughs) yes awesome all right uh clinton body count nathan fuck any more uh, murders for the Clintons? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I really didn't want to go back get down that rabbit hole, <laughs> uh, so I didn't. Um, um, I can actually help you out on that one. Oh, um, I can help you out with this. So there is a book. I believe it is called Death on W Street. Yes, a Death on W Street: The Murder of Seth Rich. Ooh, okay. Uh, by Andy Kroll. Um, I read it. It is very, very, very good. Um, Seth Rich is probably the most infamous, quote unquote, of the Clinton death count Mm -hmm. Um, from the publisher website, uh, looking at the saga of murder, madness and political chicanery, one that would ensnare Hillary Clinton and Steve Bannon, a popular pizzeria in Northwest D.C., and the most powerful voices in American media. So uh, Seth Rich uh, was killed back in 2016. He was a young Democratic staffer. And this is one of the deaths that uh, conspiracy theorists 
uh, especially the particularly toxic ones, really like to pin to the Clinton body count. He's probably like the last quote unquote famous one. Um, I just remember really specifically in an interview that uh, the author Andy Kroll did uh, talking about this book, he he really wrote this with just a ton of help from Seth Rich's family, his parents and his uh, sister, I think it is. These poor people, like, they wanted so hard to believe that people were going to help them try to solve their son's murder. So they would get grifters come up to them and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to totally help you with this. Meanwhile, they're spinning their, like web of lies over on you know some side like oh yeah comic ping pong pizzeria and hillary clinton had him killed and blah because you know bernie sanders and but it's like seriously it's fucked up so well this is the stuff that i read on my own y'all why (laughs) why do you do Um, that to yourself because if I can't if I can't see the web of things and understand it, then it will uh, frustrate me. Okay. And I find it I find it fascinating. And now when these things come up, like I can instantly make those connections. It's mostly so I don't feel like a sheep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> More than anything else. <laughs> Excellent. All right. It is a very um, good book, though. I highly recommend it. What did you say it was called again? Uh, a Death on W Street. The right. Murder of Seth Rich and the Age of Conspiracy by Andy Kroll. It's from Public Affairs Books. Excellent. We'll put that on the website then if you guys are interested in checking that out. All right. Courtney, you did Parthenogenesis. Um, I did. I was really hoping that like there'd be something new and fun and cool, but it doesn't seem like it which also doesn't super surprise me because we did talk about it's kind of a quote-unquote rare phenomenon but um yeah nothing nothing cool nothing new cool cool great and then um next i talked about the sailing stones of death valley they will continue to sail as long as global warming lets them that's all i got (laughs) we got now we got the good one with the georgia guidestones Oh, yes. Y'all. <laughs> she gone. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone so who didn't happen <laughs> to, uh, to hear about this, our, our lovely, amazing Georgia Guidestones, uh, <laughs> we did mention it after it happened. I had, to, I had to say it on, like, the next recording after the Georgia Guidestones went kaboom. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I did kind of... Uh, uh, when I was noting the timeline of that, it's odd, so strange, the timing of my Georgia Guidestones episode and the destruction of it. We're almost two months apart. I don't mean They something. heard. They, they um, know we were they talking. They heard. <laughs> they. The infamous they. <laughs> did we uh, they are find no- out who did it? No. No. So I went looking, um, digging around in the more uh, current news articles. So... Of course, the Georgia Guidestones are no more. America has lost its uh, its own Stonehenge, as you as you were. Uh, this happened around 4 a.m. on July 6th. And as far as the uh, officials can tell, someone placed an explosive device at the base of the granite monument just outside of Elberton, Georgia, which is where they were located. Uh, they demolished one of the 19-foot-tall slabs. Now, this is granite, so for safety reasons, they just took the whole thing down because 
surely someone would wander in there, some ding dong, and wind up in Georgia. Never, never Mm. in America. Never, (laughs) no one would ever a ding dong in America. Uh, go up in Yellowstone, trampled. Yeah, it would never, none of that would ever happen. So, I did find a little bit more information though. Um, if you want to fuel uh, uh, this this fascination, I suppose. So the company that did the original sandblasting, which is called Clamp Sandblasting, it's now owned by The Sun. The father was the uh, one who did all the lettering on the Guidestones back in the 80s. But what uh, did the Holy Spirit do? Uh, you know what? It, it, <laughs> it blew them up. It, yep. It's the one that, that, it's the one that knocked it down. <laughs> that's, that's it right there. The spirit said, uh-uh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, all the guys. Jesus all said no. Email Alex Jones. <laughs> Alex has talked about it quite a bit, actually. <laughs> of course um, he He said that it was good that it came down because the Satan cabal down there was, a, was no more. And I was like, um, that's not true. I need to not be here. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> so uh, it's interesting um, that uh, the son uh, who owns this company now, um, he's quoted as saying, he points the finger for the Guidestone bombing at the recent trend of monument removals, sanctioned and unsanctioned, plus a fringe candidate for governor calling for the demolition of the Guidestones as her top priority, which was true. Um, he uh, said, quote, it sets the mood for the crazies to come out and do their thing. <laughs> Not wrong. Not wrong. Not wrong. Did that, did that um, congressperson get their, that politician uh, win? Oh, oh, God, no. No, no, no. It's still. Oh, oh woman in Georgia? Um, no, this was a, a fringe candidate for governor in Georgia. Um, it, so actually, I that was the next quote was. At failed candidate, as well as others who believe in conspiracies about the Guidestones, have falsely claimed that God has struck the monument down with righteous lightning, despite surveillance footage showing a person planning a device and running away. No, um, it was God. <laughs> so I was, I was a little concerned when I got further down into some of the articles when they started talking to the mayor of the town, uh, when he starts talking about uh uh religion and righteousness but i will just say that's a misnomer so don't be too concerned when i read this <laughs> i had the heart attack moment i was like oh no and then i was like oh okay he's actually being fairly reasonable all right um <laughs> given what we're talking about so the mayor's name uh the mayor in elberton i should say which is where the guidestones were located his name is daniel graves and he says that, quote, his county is a solidly conservative and religious observant one. So outside voices claiming Satan's hold on the stones don't add up. Uh, quote, our view of righteousness is not an almighty God that needs zealots to do his dirty work and destruction, Graves said. That's hatred. All the dynamite in the world can't change a man's heart. Kind of actually was. Kind of. Yeah, I was a little I was a little shocked by uh, that. So I'll give it up to that mayor for not being a total fundy, scary person, um, at least in that quote. So <laughs> there was also an NPR article after the destruction happened uh, that took a bigger look at the conspiracy theories and cites a researcher named Jared Holt, 
whose work I followed for a long time. Um, he's been largely independent, and I highly recommend a lot of his work. Um, so from this article, again, NPR, um, says conspiracy theories aren't a new phenomenon, and neither is people acting out on them in real life. But Jared Holt, an extremism researcher with the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, said the Guidestones are a perfect example of how pervasive conspiracy thinking has become. Whether it's elected officials appealing to online conspiracists or online conspiracists trying to become elected officials, we're really starting to see the effects of that in clear and obvious ways, he said. The line between posting things on the internet and doing them in real life is blurring more and more, and the current political climate often rewards extreme rhetoric. And when these events do happen, they have really disproportionate effects, and the damage can last well beyond and certainly extend much past any property destroyed, Holt said. But that was kind of an interesting um, way to to really wrap that up. That's another, I suppose that maybe is another reason why, like, Courtney, now that I'm thinking about it and reading that over again, like, why I, I'm so interested in it, because that that gap between real life and the internet, it doesn't really exist anymore. And yeah. I feel like we were the last generation to kind of get that stranger danger thing <laughs> on the internet, despite oh, the fact 100%. that we were probably all in AIM chat rooms <laughs> when we were way too young. I got, um, I got grounded from the internet for a year because I had yeah. a Yahoo account without my mom knowing, and I was talking, mom, don't listen. <laughs> mom, don't listen. Earmuffs. In case she's not listening, I definitely still went on the internet after she told me I wasn't allowed to. <laughs> yeah. I would just wait till everyone was asleep to talk to my friends. But I definitely talked to an adult man who pretended to be not an adult man. Oh yep. no! While I said I was six foot, no, five foot eight and blonde with blue eyes. Not me. Oh no! No one is who they are. Say they are in the internet. Oh no! I am five foot four, currently. With black hair and brown eyes. There's no way. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, it's, and again, it's, I think it's part of that thing where like you have people like Jared Holt and a lot of other folks who are doing really good work independently, um, looking at how these conspiracy theories, and there are, at least in the, in the US political paradigm, and I'm sure the same is true as in Canada, there are conspiracy theories you could go on either end of things and find truly remarkable, like a what now? Left mm -hmm. or right. So yeah. it's, uh, it, it definitely seems to be the, the violence of the thing comes more from the right currently, but there have been eco-terrorists who would be considered like extreme left um uh, politics uh, politics you know now who were doing things like blowing up tanker ships and like that shit has happened so mm -hmm. um i think the difference is is the internet really yeah that's true i think i think the internet has a huge impact on it because like yeah never before because you'd be like a couple clicks from finding a bunch of people i think the same way you do Exactly. Exactly. And and there's no the the internet literacy was never really taught, but again I think a lot of us in a certain age bracket were very fortunate to have grown up during more the nascent stages of the internet and now it's just like no holds barred. 
Yeah. <laughs> Everyone yeah. does everything and flings disinformation around like it's gospel. I don't know if you saw, but uh, Europe as a whole is threatening to block Twitter if yes. Elon Musk doesn't you know like what? crack down on misinformation and yeah, <laughs> which is we are living in a time. I'm telling you. <laughs> yes, we are. Sucks to suck, doesn't it, Elon? <laughs> oh. oh my god. And Excellent. no, no one's ever been. No one's ever been caught. Um, there are no suspects. It's a mystery. Rest in peace, Georgia Guidestones. His Bigfoot. You were weird. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. Next, Nathan, Large Hadron Collider. Uh, okay. So. <laughs> the update is we do not exist anymore. Yeah. Um, I... I really went into, like, the conspiracy side of things... Uh, obviously, with this, um, no real, um, no real updates on that specific conspiracy piece. But I did actually. I was looking a little more into um, the fact that I, I did mention that there were. Uh, quite a few um, colliders that were all over the world uh, running their own experiments, um, including one here in Vancouver uh, at the UBC campus. And so I did a little more research into that. Um, and the, the organization that... Um, that basically runs this place. It, it, it's called Triumph. So it's the Tri-University Mason facility. Um, and so now they just call it Triumph. Originally when it was started, it was a collaboration between uh, this Simon Fraser, Simon Fraser University, uh, University of British Columbia, and the University of Victoria to try and create this thing, um, this like research group to meet the needs that no single university could provide. Um, and then over, over the years, um, from 68 until now, it's still going now, they have grown from their original three members to, uh, Uh, 14 total universities that are in collaboration doing all of their research in this one spot here in Vancouver. Um, now, one thing I didn't really know too, too much about is, um, and I, I really wasn't looking too, too much into it when we were explaining the conspiracy portion of it was well, why the fuck are they just like sitting there slamming particles together in this machine? Um, and there is a whole shit ton of different uses for it. So, um, like life sciences, um, 
they uh, they use the accelerators to produce and find um, isotopes for uh, like radiology, um, sort of radio pharmaceuticals, shit that they basically pump into you if they're looking for uh, trying to figure out if you know maybe you have certain diseases maybe you have um you know where what is the origin progression or treatment that they need to do if you're getting parkinson's or alzheimer's or um is there a better way to um to like find different things that might be uh wrong with you Maybe not neurological diseases, but um, a myriad of of other things that, hey, we found this new isotope. How does this interact with um, biology to move forward our medical sciences? Um, are we, you know, and then, you know, there's messing around with like particle physics and all sorts of interesting things. Um, it, it's not just one science, I guess, that they're dealing with um, and that they find things about when they're smashing atoms together. Um, it really covers like a whole gamut of things. And I was like, I was really impressed. I was really surprised. Um, but one of the things that caught my attention was nuclear medicine, which is again, um, uh, like the radio pharmaceuticals and, and so on being able to trace where these particles are in your body and determine, you know, maybe where some of your, Again, some of these neurological diseases are are impacting you where they started, how they impact you, based strictly on being able to track them in your body. And that's really cool. So I just went on a really weird and confusing rant, but um yeah, that's that is my update is less on the conspiracy side and more on the holy shit, they're doing so much weird and cool fucking shit with this. So <laughs> <laughs> no, there was any medical applications for it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. They uh Triumph just released their 20-year vision in September. All right. Um one of their one of their things is to um continue on with um uh, basically to try and become one of the leaders in uh, discovery science, um, trying to uh, basically be a leader and um, essentially thrive in like the, what they refer to as the big science ecosystem. They are already sort of like a multidisciplinary 
incubator as far as I understand, but they want to be able to do that on an international level. Uh, again, 12 universities across Canada all sort of do their research there, but um, a, a lot of these universities that are involved are known internationally. They have a lot of international students, including UBC here, University of Alberta, and uh, and some of the other ones, well, even SFU here in town. Um, and just like it, it, it makes sense to sort of expand beyond the borders if, especially in the sciences, like if you're, if you're just sort of keeping everything siloed, you never really learn, right? Um, they're also focusing on life sciences, uh, quantum sciences, and like green technologies to try and offer better options through the next 20 years. So yeah, the, it it was a it was a huge thing. It was really interesting to read through. So that's awesome. Yeah, uh, and all of this information is available on the Triumph website at triumph.ca. If anyone is interested in going to look there, um, it is open for public consumption. Uh, so nothing I'm giving you guys is secret. All right. Cool. Next we had was live rock, Courtney. Um, they're still they're still terrifying. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't I was looking to see if there's any like new baddies that could come in or any new information. There wasn't really anything, unfortunately. Um or fortunately. Or fortunately, like what if a new uh, what if a new guy just popped up in your tank? I'm I'm good without that. Yeah. No one needs that. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. All right. Next we did our ghosts episode. Um I did Bloody Mary. Children around the world keep summoning goat toilet ghosts. <laughs> that's that's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody Mary, not yet found. <laughs> Still missing at large. Yeah. Um, all right, Hallie, you did ghost towns in the Upper Peninsula. Heck yeah, I did, and they still are there, and nothing else has happened. <laughs> That's it. They're still abandoned, y'all. They're still abandoned. I still have not made my way up there because it's like a four and a half hour drive. Um. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, however, I will say this. Happy accident off of this, which is that doing all of that research then inspired me to uh, write partially a book about a ghost hunting librarian. So there we go. Oh. So. Set in Michigan. Of course. I'm here now. Why not? Why not? <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, Nathan, you did Pavelia Island? Uh, yeah. Still... Uh, still the most haunted place on Earth, for obvious reasons. No new information. <laughs> but honestly, I think I kind of prefer it that way. Um, shit that happened there was real fucked up, and I, I'm okay with it, just not with no updates, you know. Okay. Better. <laughs> um. Courtney, you talked about some ghost stories we were growing up. Did you ever get a chance to get your sister's ghost story? 
I didn't. Um, she is what I like to call a busy bitch. And <laughs> um, she's just now starting to hit her slow season, but also not really because um, she and her husband just moved and everything. I am going to see her this next weekend. So I will ask her if we could do like a little recording just on my phone, the two of us. And maybe if it's not the worst, then um, we'll share that. Oh, that'd be awesome. Fun. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Then we did some My Immortal, which we did a couple times this year. <laughs> Still getting through that. I have friends that are really appreciating these readings. So I'm so sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll maybe we will legit do like Chuck Tingle after My Immortal. <laughs> yeah. I have no shame. I'll read it all. I'll read a Chuck Tingle book. Yes. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll yes. do voices. Yes. <laughs> we should have I was thinking about this before we started. We should have like a a hex cast book club where we read something either like fun or serious or ridiculous that we enjoy and like share it with with everybody. It's just gonna be fun to idea. do. That's a very good idea. Cuz I just got into a new series. So you can't I'm, say I'm, that and not tell us what it is. It's called, <laughs> it's called Empire of Silence by Christopher Rocchio. And it's um, when I started reading it, I got really excited. I picked it up because I liked the cover for one of the later books in the series. And then I saw that there was a different first book. So I started with that and I read the whole thing in a week. It's um, Dang. 700 pages. I was going to say, these are beefy books. They are beefy books. Um, fun fact, when I was a child, um, when we went to the library, not to the library necessarily, but especially to like bookstores, I wasn't allowed to get a book unless it was um, an inch or thicker. Um, so like this one, this one's a good size. It's about an inch and a half. Um, because I would read the whole book, like my mom would buy me a book, I'd read it in the car, we'd get home 20 minutes later, and I've read the whole book. <laughs> um, I've also read every Harry Potter book, like individual, not like all of them in one night, but I would read each individual book over the course of a night. Um, so that's how my mental health is. <laughs> yeah, like it's a bad thing. Well, I saw something about like people reading reading books. If you're like a voracious reader as a kid, a lot of the time you're using it as an escape mechanism. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, fair. Awesome. Dope. But like, Um, you know, you can say the same thing about video games. I mean, some of us just play video games for fun sometimes. Some of us play video games for fun. I I do love the escapism of books and video games. Uh, And I like these books are so good. I had to. I wasn't allowed to have them in the bedroom. I had to leave them on my computer desk so that I wouldn't stay up all night because I have to, like, go to work and stuff. Um, But basically, like, I was reading it, and I was like, oh, it's like if Dune and Ender's Game had a baby and made their own brand new space opera. And also, it kind of reminds me of um, Stephen Bruce's books, which I enjoy. And then, like, I read the back cover and, like the author of 1632 said the almost the exact same thing. Mm. It's like, it's an epic scale space opera in the tradition of Ian M. Banks and Frank Herbert's Dune without being a clone. It is really good, y'all. I highly recommend it. I'm on the second book. I've, I haven't, 
been in a place where I can like sit and read for a long period of time and I need at least two hours to dedicate to reading because reading a chapter at a time just is not my style. Um, but I, I highly recommend them. I'll stop talking about the book now. <laughs> nice. No, no, no. It's good because I'm I'm looking at it right now. I got so excited. So my dad and I have similar tastes in books. My mom and I do not. But I like got so excited. I like texted my dad like photo, like screenshot, like took pictures of like, you need to read this book. It's so good. You'd so love it. You should get it on Audible. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, you to, if you want to do a book club, as long as the books are on Audible, that works for me because sitting yeah. down and reading by itself is really difficult for me. <laughs> yeah. I have a hard time with being able to do it with everything else I have to do. So like, uh, this is the first time, I, like my husband has said, this is the first time he's seen me sit and read a physical book. I usually have my Kindle or I'm reading on my computer. Mm. Um, but he was, he was like commenting on how quickly I was getting through this monster. And he was like, this is actually kind of cool to watch. <laughs> it's you a man who likes it when you read. We don't take no Gaston's here. <laughs> Thank you for laughing at that, Nathan. It made my day. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Um, so the next we did our uh, the episode with the dolphins and the everything. Um, it's still oh. fucked. Yeah. So I did yeah. the map to red, which is you know the mysterious story of the guy who showed up in Japan and claimed to be from a non-existent country. We still don't know who he really was or what the fuck happened to him. Hallie, rabies. Hey, uh, I really need to pick less upsetting things. Um, <laughs> it's still terrifying. The number of cases s seems to be increasing. Uh, and I have a couple of updates from around the U.S. as of November. So that's great. Uh, I mean, there is we, a... we needed another disease outbreak of some kind. Totally. Yeah, we need it on top of RSV and COVID. And yeah, it's fine. Um, oh god, maybe if you stack enough diseases, they just knew you'll just through. get a legitimate buff. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, one can only hope, even uh, if that buff is right. even if that buff is just getting rid of like a selection of the really unsmart and terrible people. Oh, that's that has now. <laughs> at least in the U.S. has been confirmed that that's oh. been the case, especially oh. after the vaccine. I just literally just read an article before we started that said, yeah, and in place after uh, the vaccines came out um, for wide disbursement in the population, there are distinct political lines drawn. Um, oh, yeah. Between who has survived and who has not. That's oh. really interesting. Like, I, was I mean, gonna ask, sense, but also... I was going to ask if maybe like the rise has been because I don't know if anti-vaxxers extend that to their pets as well. Yes, <laughs> they do often. So like um, they're getting, you know, Fido vaxxed and right. then Fido gets rabies and then Fido bites Jimmy. Bye bye, Jimmy. Right. And and I, I think part of it, too, is a. A, just a, a a death of of general knowledge about this. Mm. Um, you can you can associate it with a lot of things, but I I found two um, big articles from different spots on the East Coast in the U.S. So one was from November first, twenty 
2022, uh, looking at Guilford County in North Carolina, they've confirmed 21 cases of rabies so far this year. That is astronomically high. A lot. Uh, The latest one was from a skunk. That makes sense. Yeah. So kind of usually you see like it's either a pet, a bat, uh, some kind of mouse or um, a, a raccoon. But skunks um, are really cute. Are. But you probably shouldn't try and pet them. Probably if, don't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, they're in wild animals. Don't. Also, they'll spray you. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. No, no one wants that. <laughs> no. The other one was a raccoon case um, as of November 23rd, 2022. So this was not that. It was a week ago, y'all. Um, it was Atlantic County in Maryland confirmed has confirmed 11 cases of rabies so far this year. The most recent was a raccoon, which means three out of the 11 cases in that county are from raccoons. Wow. Um, and th- that's just a just two. There were a bunch of articles citing these health concerns in the U.S. Um, so it was like, oh, well, all right, then. However, there might be some good news around the corner. Uh, scientists may have actually had success in developing a novel mRNA-based vaccine against rabies, and they have uh, seen high protective efficacy against lethal rabies infection in mice and dogs with this vaccine, and it's being studied pretty heavily right now, and they're hoping that it would be useful in both pre- and post-exposure conditions. Right now, there's the pre for our pets, right? So you get them the rabies vaccine. But if you are bitten, there's no pre-rabies vaccine for people. Um, Basically, if you are bitten by anything, you're supposed to go get a rabies vaccine. It's for post-exposure. And now they're saying that this vaccine might be good for both. Well, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I wonder if, like, they would recommend that for you if you were, like, a wildlife biologist or, like, a veterinarian. Like, you'd have to have some kind of forest ranger. Yeah. 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 Anything like that that's outdoors or dealing with animals a lot. Yeah. I could totally see that being, like, part of the vaccine panel you would have to get, hopefully. Um, Certainly would keep you from dying a painful, horrible, awful death. Yeah. Don't get rabies, kids. Don't get rabies, and if you get bit, just go get just go get a rabies vaccine. Yes, it's gonna suck. Just go oh, yeah. do it. It's better than It'll dying. Suck more dying from rabies. <laughs> your brain literally melting <clears throat> in your skull. Hydrophobia. <laughs> I think that would be one of the situations where I'd be like, "I'll just take made, thank you." Like if it was too late for me to get a vaccine, I'd just say goodbye to everybody and then just goodbye. Just be done. Just yeah, be, just that, just peace out early. Yeah. That death is, that rabies death is like, oh, horrifying. I mean, it's, we loosely, yeah, we usually based zombie stories came from, Mm -hmm. you know, rabies exposure because all the frothing at the mouth and the, yeah, oh, oh, oh. yeah, give me the heebie, give myself the heebie jeebies now. It's too late for that. We can't do that. It's too late at night. (laughs) Anyways. All right. Nathan, gay pirates, part one. Gay pirates. Uh, no real updates. Um, you mean they're not pirating again? Uh, well, I mean, unfortunately not. Uh, I mean, 
this wasn't a this wasn't a thing um last year but it's important to to us obviously but our flag means death has been renewed for season two so and they're almost done that's so exciting yeah almost done filming i'm ready so I mean Two. that's that's gay pirates enough, but I in in real life I got I got no updates. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, Peter the dolphin, Courtney. Uh, there are no updates. I'm sure it'll surface again, and someone will be like, "Look at this terrible thing that happened," uh, and make jokes about it. But um, like, glad to say that it's still legal to fucking do that shit. Good, 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 good. All right. Next, we have another guest, and then we got to the Satanic Temple. That's what I did, which I do have. I do have some news on. So, at the end of September, the Satanic Temple had filed a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court of the District of Idaho and a similar one in Indiana. The complaint argued against Idaho's trigger law that bans nearly all abortions and the state's civil enforcement law that allows family members to sue medical providers who provide abortions. To, the temple has filed many lawsuits in various states across the country alleging freedom of speech violations, including eight lawsuits listed on their website related to abortion policies, religious monuments, public meeting prayers, and other related topics. The so Satanic Temple ha- asked the court to block the laws, claiming that the laws are unconstitutional violations of property rights, the Equal Protection Clause, religious freedom, and involuntary servitude. As of yesterday... Um, uh, the uh, court of Idaho filed a motion to dismiss the case. The Idaho Deputy Attorney General General Brian Church said that that's a fucking title. Deputy Attorney General Brian Church said that the court the court should decline to hear the case because the state officials are targeted in the lawsuit. Government Governor Brad Little and Attorney General Lawrence Wasden are shielded from lawsuits brought by residents of other states or foreign countries under the 11th Amendment of the Constitution. Which is like, what the fuck? That is not how that works. Uh -uh. That's not how that works. It shouldn't work that way. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. This is Idaho we are talking about. (laughs) Um, They are terrifyingly white and and, uh, national conservative... um, national christian conservative fascists out there so well i'm glad that the word law doesn't actually work that way because that's fucked no it doesn't it doesn't well the temple has said that the lawsuit does not specifically name any individuals who have been harmed by idaho's abortion laws and church said oh like at and it did not describe any injuries that had taken place so they're basically they're saying, well, the- you didn't name Sally Ho, who went and got herself knocked up, because she a hoe. That's why she needs an abortion. They they <laughs> all think that same way. Like, she she asked for it. So there go. It's God's will. So tough. And because you can't actually name an actual victim and not just anyone with a uterus. Yeah, that's it's. <sighs> Good times. But the church is trying. <laughs> or sorry, the, satan- the temple is trying. We shouldn't say the church. Different thing. So yeah, the satanic temple is trying. They're trying to fight for your right to have an abortion. And they have their cards in stock again. And they have their cards yeah. in stock again. I got in trouble at work uh, last week. 
<laughs> not really. Like I wasn't in trouble, trouble. But um, they just, they just I looked at you weird. I mean, I I had pulled up. I was looking at the cards because the group chat was like, "Oh, the cards are back in stock," and it was like fucking dope. So I'm looking at the designs and then like went back to work and left it up, forgetting that was there. And then my boss came over and asked me to look at something, and I went to pull it up, and there's just satanic temple cards. And she looks at me and she looks at the screen. <laughs> And she goes, uh, what you doing there? And I went, um, just temple cars were back in stock. And she went, <laughs> she sat for a second and she was like, but we're working, right? I'm like, yeah, I was just on my break and I forgot. So she's, um, she's also American. <laughs> and her family lives in Idaho. Oh. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my bad. Idaho, Idaho, and Iowa have some not great reputations, and yeah. they get away with it because they're little. The states are very um, unpopulated, and yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it was ended up being fine. But yeah, that happened. <laughs> I guess it, I guess it's easy to get away with being a racist when no one actually lives in your state. Like pretty much, well, yeah, Iowa only, the rich, has... only the rich people can make the decisions. Then, yeah, exactly, exactly. Ugh. Good time. Ugh. Uh, wait, thirty-five dollars. Go get a card. Hey, <laughs> they come in all sorts of colors and like gold and silver they have gold ones and they've got ones with the moon on them and you can get like a certificate with it you can be legit guys be legit. i had to ex- i had to explain to my coworkers why i had a, a temple of satan membership because <laughs> i was talking about it nonchalantly not remembering that like <laughs> people, people are like, like yeah <laughs> this actually came up in a conversation we had with some friends on friday last week um, we had some friends in town. Um, one of the guys is um, from the States. He grew up in Ohio, like, you know, Christian. Um, and his husband is, uh, he grew up in Iraq. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, so the fact that they're gay and married is a whole thing. <laughs> that alone. But then we were talking about the show because it come up and then like, I mentioned doing the satanic temple and they're like, okay, explain this to me. Why do they call it the satanic temple? Like, don't they realize like the bad symbolism that's associated with that? And then we had to try and explain yes. it. And they're like, no, I still don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I, I like it. It's good. Yeah. But also I feel like a little bit like, oh, what a stereotype. I play D and D and I'm a Satanist. <laughs> Uh, self-fulfilling prophecy uh. <laughs> all right claire patterson oh, oh no <laughs> oh no not claire patterson because he's dead but um lead and lead exposure y'all oh, this is depressing all right all right all right so um unfortunately <laughs> Like rabies, lead exposure exposure and poisoning cases seem to be on the rise. I found so many news stories about lead levels. Um, most of them not good. So most recently, also on November 23rd of this year, literally a week ago, uh, a story was published that cites the over 90,000 children's clothing sets that have been recalled over lead levels. 
something to maybe note as we go into the holiday uh, gifting season. This is from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission in a tweet that says, uh, Recall, about 87,000 Bentex Group children's clothing sets. The textile ink has lead levels that exceed either the federal lead paint or lead content ban, posing a lead poisoning hazard. Uh, so this is an actual recall notice that was just put out. Um, oh. And yeah, yeah, literally just put it out. Yeah, that's oh a real God. shot of the Twitter. I went to the Twitter and got it. Um, you risk going to the Twitter? I risk going to the Twitter. I still use it, but it's it's not for, yeah. It's imploding anyway. slowly. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so these sets were actually sold between November 2021 through August 2022. And the recalled clothing was sold for between $5 and $25 at TJ Maxx, uh, Ross, Burlington, Army and Air Force Exchange Services, and other stores nationwide, as well as at online at Amazon.com. So, like, this is literally a consumer safety notice, y'all. If you're listening and you uh, maybe have bought these things, you might want to check and see if you bought Disney-branded children's clothing sets in the last year or two. That's wild. Because uh, this is not good. When clothing has that level of, of lead in it, something is bad. Yeah. Yeah, in the ink. Yeah. Yeah, no, not, not good. good. Not good. Uh, so to be an extra bummer, um, found a story out of Ireland, and there were tests done there by Irish, uh, an Irish water company. They found lead concentrates 15 times the limit deemed safe to consume in drinking water in one area and nearly 10 times the limit in another area. Um, this was in Waterford and Roscommon counties. And audits done in recent years by Irish Water have found 33 cases where drinking water had lead concentrations above the safe limit of 10 micrograms per liter. Um, and uh, they found high levels of drinking lead in drinking water in 12 other counties as well. Uh, so it, what I found most interesting about all of that bummer news uh, is that the results were from internal audits of drinking water that were released to the Irish Times newspaper under the Freedom of Information Act. So the newspaper had to go get these. They weren't even just released to the public. Wow, that is the newspaper wow. had to go get them. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's like, okay, then. All right. I unfortunately have more. I'm so very sorry. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's not good. Um, so in Vermont, here in the U.S., which is on the uh, very high uh, northeastern coast. Uh, in all of the schools and daycares there, testing has been done in nearly, sorry, in nearly every location over the last five years due to something in the state called Act 66, which is a 2019 state law that requires those facilities to test taps used for drinking and cooking water. It took them five years to do this. To test every school and daycare in a very, very, very small state. Oh, wow. Yeah. However, um, it gets worse. Uh, what the Department of Health leaders have avoided addressing in their press tour is the extent of the problem that the testing revealed. 
which was that nearly half of the more than 15,300 taps tested contained unsafe levels of lead. One in every five taps tested was at or above a level required to take the fixture out of service because it has a higher chance of harming children. 25 schools had at least 10 water taps in one building with lead levels high enough to trigger the requirement to take them out of service. Five schools had at least 20 taps at or above that level. Terrifying. Um, during the years that most of the testing occurred from 2017 to 2021, about 2,115 kids under age six were poisoned by lead in Vermont, according to state data. There is no publicly available data connecting the contaminated taps with child lead poisoning cases. There's also no way of knowing how long some of these contaminated water systems ran the risk of harming kids or how many kids used them. And when asked by Vermont Public in October, which is a publication, uh, about the risk kids may have faced before taps were replaced or taken out of service, here's the most mealy-mouthed level of bullshit. Um, Health Commissioner Mark Levine chose to highlight the low costs of remediation and how children are more commonly exposed to lead via paint chips and antiques than through water. The data also highlights broader concerns about aging infrastructure in Vermont and about how health officials equip the public, especially parents, to evaluate test results, meaning they don't do it at all. Cool. It's cool. okay that kids are murdered Fine. by people outside their family. They're more likely to mur be murdered by someone in their family, right? It's fine. I'm telling you, it's um, fine. Stranger danger is not a thing. God. Oh, good. good. Um, furthermore, uh, according to research shared by the American Journal of Diseases of Children, 83% of kids statewide have detectable levels of lead in their system uh this is in nebraska sorry i missed my header there um and this is then the highest rate in the entire country in the entire u.s i'm gonna show you this map which i thought was really interesting um this is from the same article about nebraska kids having these detectable lead levels so if you scroll let me give you the link um and we'll we'll put this in the uh in the wrap-up notes, too. If you scroll down a little bit, there is a map uh, that shows the U.S. in different shades of green. You can hover over each state and find the percentage of children who have detectable blood lead levels. Michigan is at 78%. Jesus. And people my wonder why state. the rates of ADHD are going up. Uh-huh. My home state of Ohio has 52%. And then you will, interestingly enough... Find places like Florida with 17%. That's lower than Alaska. What the fuck? So kind You'd of think Florida kids would be sucking on bullets. I'm just saying. <laughs> no hate, but hate. <laughs> Hawaii's doing pretty good uh, for themselves, too. So, yeah, some states are actually doing really, really well. A lot of this has to do with aging infrastructure. Um and pipes not being uh, updated in a timely manner. Um, also, the number of homes, older homes. Mm -hmm. uh, near Florida doesn't have a whole lot of older homes because they get wiped out a lot. Um, <laughs> not, not wrong. Um, but I'm, I know there are other factors there. I'm mostly just harping on Florida a little bit because I can. Um, 
And then I, I thought that map was really interesting. And then I wanted to lastly look at my adopted home state of Michigan. A um, couple of studies that I found. So over the last decade, Michigan has generally reported a year-over-year decline in children with elevated lead levels, um, which is good. It went from 10.9% in 2010 to 5.1% in 2020, and then dropped in 2021 to 3.5%. There is another really interesting um, interactive map that I wanted to show y'all. I love an interactive map. Never enough like being it, able to see what's going on. This is from M Live, which is one of the bigger state publications. So you can actually just see the entire state of Michigan here. And then uh, when you start hovering over counties, so I uh, kind of live in the middle of uh, the state. I won't say exactly where, but um, and it was interesting to see how like the closer to the Ohio River uh, or not the Ohio River, but Lake Erie you get, uh, the higher the levels are and the closer to uh, the, uh, the, that cannot talk, like Lake Superior you get higher levels, uh, but also some low ones. So it's, it's interesting to see how the spread is. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. There's a lot of su I'm... area suppressed. Like the yeah. data is not, the data is not represented. Yes. Um, that does not surprise me, probably because of where some of these counties are. Mm. So, uh, Michigan is a is a really oddball state when it comes to. It's a solidly purple state, leaning blue, and I think there have been some attempts in the past to to, sub, you know, subvert some things. By certain politicians so i'm just making an educated guess but based on the little bit that i know Interesting. i'm sure there are other reasons for some of this suppressed data too so anyways so, so there's that um it was also interesting too that um one of the things that i pulled up when they were talking about michigan specifically is that the state actually just changed the definition of what high blood lead level means, meaning it opened up the threshold to include more kids. So mm -hmm. they um, uh, made that happen. And this means that uh, health officials have more access to uh, available public health services and lead reduction programs because it's based on population. So if there are more kids affected, they get more money for their programs in, uh, that will help them reach these kids and reach these families and okay. hopefully do some education about maybe don't let them eat paint chips, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, which is always good advice, I feel like, in general. Look, um, they, I they did it as a kid, so it's my God-given right to let my son eat paint. Lick that windowsill. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's our licking windowsill. Don't you take that away from Timmy. <laughs> We've been licking that windowsill for 13 <laughs> generations. And you take it away we from me, I'm going to have to go and unlock the gun case. You fuck right off. He's lucky we didn't even have it painted in my day. You'd get splinters all up in there. It was bad. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so anyways, that's that's lead and it's bad. And please be careful. And if you start to feel 
like weird sick for any reason go to go 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 get some treatment or maybe just even go see, see like a minute clinic or something at least to get you started because lead poisoning ain't no joke also melt your brain don't lick windowsills <laughs> all right um courtney mlms i'm sure you got some good news here um my favorite mlm to hate is slowly crumbling which makes me feel good oh so you actually have good news <laughs> yeah that's the that's the best news i have um I keep hearing rumblings from my favorite MLM, anti-MLM people that, um, like, some of the big ones are going to have big things happen against them, but I haven't seen it come to fruition yet. I'm sure that it's just, like, being caught up in the courts and whatnot, but, like, Young Living is actively crumbling and trying to switch up their tactics to uh, fix that. (laughs) uh it's not working very well they're hemorrhaging people they're hemorrhaging money they're saying they're fine but in the same breath being like we're not going to give you swag anymore and raising prices on shit and yeah uh, i still cringe every time i see an oily truck go by me and by oily i mean having a doTERRA or young living sticker on it but yeah i actually also have started to come across organic like organically coming across more MLM stuff since it's Christmas time. Oh, yeah. Paparazzi's coming. I saw a paparazzi. $5 jewelry, a great Christmas gift. Uh, no, mm-mm. don't do it. Only if you like wood poisoning. <laughs> blood. Um, yeah, so, you know, same old, same old. Uh, they, they still suck. Uh, I still hate them. Um, the oil, the oil MLMs are still my least favorite, most hateful. I still feel they're the most hateful out of all of them. So, yeah. Cool. All right. And then the final thing that we covered was ADHD. I still have ADHD. <laughs> Just nice. Um, but I actually do have some good news that we can wrap up with. So in a study that was published on November 23rd, Um, ADHD medications, both stimulants and non-stimulants, do not place patients of any age at greater risk for cardiovascular events such as heart failure and hypertension. This is a common held belief because, you know, stimulants, you're taking speed. People, uh, for a long time, they they thought, our hearts were all going to give out on us. Um, So this is groundbreaking. The finding comes from a new meta-analysis of 19 observational studies, including 3.9 million participants. Wow. They found no statistically significant association between ADHD medication and cardiovascular disease, even among middle-aged and older adults. Sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I'm not going to die of a heart attack, most likely, at least not from my medication. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. Good. And that's a year, guys. One year. One year. Well, this is the end of year two. Yeah, well, it's... Yeah, so thank you all for continuing to listen and who, you know, a couple thousand you are, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) You're one really dedicated person just hitting replay. They fall asleep listening to us. (laughs) We're on their Spotify wrapped. (laughs) 
Um, if we if we show up on anyone's Spotify Wrapped, we want to see please, that. Please, please tag uh, us. You're. It's on mine. <laughs> is it? Next <laughs> is my second most listened to podcast. Oh. Oh, so you're one of our be, average of eighty five. Apparently. People that listen. I we listened to a bunch of the episodes a while back just to like, you know, look for things. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, cover our bases, make sure that we didn't say anything too stupid. Dark Poutine is one of mine in Spotify wrapped this year. I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> I actually, I must have just totally cut off podcasts this year because they didn't show up at all in my wrap oh. this time. Or if you're not using, like, I usually don't use Spotify for mine because I was surprised at my Spotify podcasts list. But I also quit using Spotify for like six months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my Spotify really is only from October on. And it's just like, oh, you're in the top 0.5% of listeners who love listening to Ghost. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you and Nathan. Yeah. Because I listen to Ghost for eight hours a day from October 3rd to November 1st. <laughs> just on repeat. Yeah, that was my whole, uh, that was the top of my list as well. Yeah, it scratched a niche, man. Yep, it's true. My top play, uh, podcast was Split the Veil, which is like a Dragon oh. Age Bioware podcast. Oh, that's cool. And then, uh, that's not me. And then after Hex, it was the opportunity to strictly stalking and sympathy pain. So, you know, crime and <laughs> abuse and cults. Yeah, Best I think stuff. mine is all crime. Happy things. Crime and horror. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for having us be a part of your life. We hope to bring you more content in this next year. As always, if you have any ideas, let us know. We're always looking for new ideas. And for cats to not play with their toys while I'm recording. Good luck. <laughs> Impossible. Brody came up and sniffed me when we were recording and I thought he was going to bite me and I was bracing myself to not yell. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't bite me. Please don't bite me. Classic. Mom, play. No, he All just right. bites and then runs away. Like, he's <laughs> cool <Little> shit. shit. <laughs> yep. Cool <laughs> shit. Alright, well, I think we could probably stop recording here. Woo. Okay, bye. 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 Awesome. Week. that's it for this week next time we're brewing up something special for christmas so keep your eyes out for that as always links pictures and additional information can be found on our website at thehumanexception.com to keep up with all things exceptional be sure to follow us on twitter facebook or instagram at the human exception have a story that you want us to cover want to tell us that we're wrong or you just want to say hi you can email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com and if you want to get on the fun come join us on our discord server link can be found on our contact page Keep on being exceptional, my humans, and have a wonderful weekend.
sometimes we even let Bessie lick the windowsill so we get lead <laughs> in our milk. Sorry. Oh, God. Oh, that's oh, so wow. bad. That's, that one's going in the post credit. 